They're shooting up citizens of all kinds. There's a police officer who was murdered when the Russians broke into his house. Then they murdered his wife. Then they murdered his six-year-old child. Then they murdered his six-week-old child, Mr. Producer. Did you read that? They just slaughtered them. And there's a lot more than that. There's a lot more than that. There are very, very brave men out there from some of the surrounding countries surrounding Ukraine and from our country. Very brave men. We're going over to fight on the side of the Ukrainians. I cannot thank them enough. I cannot thank them enough. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 14 and a half million Levinites out there listening on all platforms in so many ways all over the world. We want to wish you all the best. You know, I've been very critical of Lindsey Graham from time to time. But not on this issue. Not on this issue where he says that he really wishes somebody would step up and take out Putin. Why is he taking incoming for that? When Putin, as I mentioned a few days ago, hired this Wagner group, which is headed by one of his buddies. They're based in the continent of Africa. And they do his assassinations for him. A hit squad. Sort of like a secret SS. And Putin is the king of assassinations. Assassinating journalists. Assassinating political opponents. Assassinating entrepreneurs. Millionaires and billionaires who won't give him a piece of the action or dare to challenge him. Assassinating people all over the world in Washington, D.C., and London, and so forth and so on. Now, I have to admit, I was the first to mention this issue of assassination. That maybe the president of Ukraine ought to be sending out his own hit squads to take out Vladimir Putin. What's fair is fair. What's good for the goose is good for the fascist. So Lindsey Graham tweeted this out the other day that he thought it would be a good idea. And then on Hannity last night, or yesterday, I should say, he also mentioned it. Cut three, Mr. Producer, go. They didn't do this on Trump's watch, Russia, because Trump would have kicked their ass. What's happened is that Putin looks at Biden, he sized him up, he thinks he can get away with it, and he's going to keep going and going and going, and nobody in the West is going to stop him. How does this end? Somebody in Russia has to step up to the plate. Is there Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful Colonel Stoppenberg in the <coughs> Russian military? The only way this ends, my friend, is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. You would be doing your country a great service and the world a great service. And I happen to agree with that. I happen to agree with that. Putin doesn't seem to be limited by any notion of tradition or civil uh, society. 
And so now he comes under attack, Lindsey Graham does, for saying what we're all thinking. Jim Psaki's asked about this at the White House today. Cut four, go. Senator Lindsey Graham said last night that someone ought to assassinate President Putin. Does the White House have any take on that statement? Is it helpful at this point? That is not the position of the United States government and certainly not a statement you'd hear come from the mouth of anybody working in this administration. No, because actually it's technically illegal to do it if you're in the executive branch of the United States government. The theory is we don't want our enemy assassinating our leaders either. But when you have an assassin, an assassin in the name of Vladimir Putin, seems to me it changes a little bit, doesn't it? Go ahead. Standing it's not the position of the U.S. government, what Lindsey Graham said last night. What Lindsey Graham did suggest is that uh, there's no peaceful resolution here while Vladimir Putin is still in power in Russia. Does the president share that view? The president believes there uh, continues to be a diplomatic path forward. That Isn't is path- it amazing? Uh, this war is going on in uh, Europe, and we don't know what the president actually believes, and so we have an interpreter. Not somebody who interprets Russian to English, but somebody has to interpret for Biden. What does Biden believe? Huh? Go ahead. Will help resolve what we're seeing on the ground. President Putin has the ability to de-escalate. We have left the door open. uh, Okay, rambling stupidity. We've left the door open for the man who just fired upon and then seized the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. For the man who's unleashed Chechen assassins against the president of Ukraine. For the man who's, who's engaged his buddy, the Wagner Group in Africa, to come on over to Ukraine to murder uh, the president of Ukraine. We've left the door open for him, don't you know? To continue diplomacy. How stupid do people have to be? How stupid do they have to be? And again, for the media, I am explaining to you that the reason the so-called 40-mile tank convoy of the Russians hasn't moved is because they don't want to move it yet. has nothing to do with gasoline, nothing to do with food, nothing to do with air power. They're waiting because the Ukrainians have begged for a no-fly zone. The Ukrainians have begged NATO for planes. They have begged neighboring countries apart from the nato processes for jets and they can't get them and i told you i smelled a skunk a few days ago when poland and some of the other countries offered ukraine mig-29s older fighter jets but nonetheless the ukrainian pilots have mig-29s or did and they know how to fly them so they go to these countries to to pick them up and bring them into ukraine and all of a sudden, no, you can't take them. Why? Why? Well, I think we know why. Because Biden et al. told them no, because we don't want to escalate this matter. This matter is escalated. And the more appeasement you show in the face of, of aggressive military action like this and assassination attempts and, and war crimes against citizens and all the rest of it, the more appeasement you show the more brutal and aggressive the enemy becomes. Oh, and did I mention, yes, Putin is the enemy. Michael McFaul is the former Obama ambassador to Russia, 
And he was great, boy. I'm sure he was there when, when Obama, excuse me, when uh, Putin rolled into Crimea and took that. And so, of course, MSLSD, a.k.a. MSNBC, decides, let's go to a failed former ambassador for input. Cut five, go. But it is not appropriate to talk about those things in public just for a very simple reason. Uh, That quote will be quoted on Russian national television ad nauseum, and it will reinforce what Putin tells his people. Oh, I see. That's the problem. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the death of, of, uh, of Russian soldiers won't reinforce anything. That's right. Cutting off their economy, that won't reinforce anything. Lindsey Graham will reinforce something by what he said. But it's a message to Putin, genius. And the message is, two can die or live by the assassin's bullet. That's the message. Two can die or live by the assassin's bullet. It's not just one country and one president who can enlist assassins to cut off the head of another country. Again, I don't always agree with Lindsey Graham. That's an absolute fact. But on this, I agree with him. I stand with him. And you should too. And you should too. Have you noticed, ladies and gentlemen, you can tell who the Putin propagandists are in the media. Podcasters, radio hosts, people on TV. Have you noticed how they never make demands of Vladimir Putin? Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? They never say, if only Vladimir Putin you would pull your troops back. If only you would stop targeting civilians. If only you hadn't attacked and now taken the largest nuclear power plant in Ukraine. If only you hadn't attacked Ukraine and invaded it. You are unprovoked. They don't ever ask Putin to stop escalating anything. The Putin propagandists in America, the neocon artists, the American Marxists, the American fascists, the Putin wing of the American population and the American media, they never make demands of Putin. They almost never criticize him. And if they do, it's, it's very glib and, and in passing. But they never demand that he stop escalating. They never demand that he make, that he make a, 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 insurances not to use nuclear weapons. Instead, it's America must not do this. America must not do this. And America must not do that. And, NATO must not do this, and NATO must not do that. And we even hear this coming from the podium at the White House with Jen Psaki. If you're not going to send jets, you don't tell the enemy that. If you're actually not going to help Ukraine, you don't tell the enemy that. This is something, uh, you know, President Trump pointed out in a statement he released a few days back. You don't have to tell Putin everything you're going to do or not going to do. But the two greatest failures have been the failure to allow them to acquire these MiG-29s. Not that we would fly a no-fly zone. That they would have access to jet fighters to hit the Russians. 
and that we are paying for, you and I, thanks to this moron in the White House, in part for the Putin war machine. Because he will not open the American oil and natural gas spigots. And so we and so much of the rest of the world are buying fuel from Russia. The third biggest exporter of fuel to the United States now is Russia. It's going to get worse because of the axis of evil. The Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, the fascist regime in Moscow, and the Marxist regime in Beijing. They're all working together. In many ways with Biden. Biden gives intelligence information to the communists in Beijing, and they share it with the fascists in Moscow. Biden has the fascists in Moscow, Putin and his team, negotiating the Iran deal for us, on our behalf, quote-unquote, with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. The Tehran regime is about to get multi-billions of dollars from you and me. From you and me. And is going to be able to sell their oil, not only to China, which they're already doing, but, ladies and gentlemen, to us. To us. There is this guy, Rob Malloy. He's a disgrace. He's a disaster. They are arming up the Iranians with nuclear weapons that they're going to put on intercontinental ballistic missiles to reach our country. This is very, very serious. And one of the reasons that Joe Biden will not put the foot down on the gas pedal and open up our spigots for fuel and will not sanction the Russians and their oil industry is because these are concessions that he's making to the Russians. So the Russians will do our bidding with the Iranians, which is a disaster. Victoria Coates has a fantastic piece out today, uh, formerly worked at the National Security Council and with Ted Cruz, which lays this out in great detail. Our ally, the Israelis, are deeply concerned about what, what Biden is doing. Congress is supposed to be involved in this. Biden won't even tell Congress what he's negotiating or what the Russians are negotiating for us. Russia not only knows more than any single member of Congress of any party about what's going on with this quote-unquote deal, they're negotiating the deal. This is why. Listen to me. It's not the climate change advocates. This is why Biden will not open America's economy. This is why he will not open America's industrial might vis-a-vis our oil industry. He is selling out to the Russians. He is selling out to the Iranians. And he's using the Russians as the middlemen to negotiate this deal with Iran, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's taking place. And they're worried about what Lindsey Graham has to say about Putin. And by the way, Zelensky has survived three assassination attempts now. 
One from Chechen Special Forces and two from this Wagner group that I told you about. All of which are Putin. And the reason, according to this piece that I'm reading, trying to get the publication, but I can't tell. But the reason this has happened is because Russians have tipped off the Ukrainians. Oh, this is the London Times. The London Times. Russians who are opposed to what Putin is doing have tipped off the Ukrainians who've been able to kill these assassins at their own airport outside of Kiev as well as in other locations. But Zelensky's being targeted for assassination. And it's about damn time, it's about damn time people stop pretending that they wouldn't be happy if somebody took out Putin. I would be thrilled. Absolutely thrilled. What do you think of that? I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden blames January 6th for Putin's invasion. And other whoppers of the Ukraine war points out the New York Post editorial board. Oh, yes, January 6th, don't you know? Vladimir Putin was counting on being able to split up the United States. Look, how would you feel if you saw crowds storm and break down the doors of the British Parliament and kill five cops, injure 145, or the German Bundestag, or the Italian Parliament, he said on March 2nd. Nobody killed five cops, you moron. I remember some guy driving into two cops who were in front of a barricade at the Capitol building, one of whom died, Nobody ever talks about that guy. He was a minority. He was Muslim. And they don't want to talk about that guy because that's not about white supremacy. Or Donald Trump. He was a Trump hater. But this is the kind of psychopath we're dealing with when it comes to this El Presidente. We say, excuse me, uh, my computer is screwing up. We say meaning the New York Post. We've seen plenty of bad takes on Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but this one, from the ostensible leader of the free world, might be the most preposterous. The Russian strongman who started grabbing Ukrainian territory in 2014 decided to attack again because of the January 6th Capitol riot. Biden's also lying. Five cops weren't killed by crowds that day. None were. One officer died of natural causes the next day. Four killed themselves in the weeks and months after. one of the protesters killed himself the other day, as a matter of fact. Unbelievable. Then we have the 1619 Project, moron. Tweets out, what if I told you Europe is not a continent by definition, but a geopolitical fiction to separate it from Asia? And so the alarm about a European or civilized or first world nation being invaded is a dog whistle to tell us we should care because they are like us. Boy, is she a racist or what? Media matters will run to their defense because they're filled with racist Soros front types too. Sick. New York Post response. So history isn't the only field New York's Times 1619 Project lead Nicole Hannah-Jones has trouble with. Never mind that Europe is a continent. 
the Pulitzer Prize winner. By the way, the Pulitzer Prize Committee is obviously corrupt. These Pulitzer Prizes aren't worth crap. In fact, they're embarrassing. The Pulitzer Prize winner actually thinks simply stating that there's a war on European soil is racist. The self-centered writer can't imagine a problem critical race theory can't explain. Now, she's a bigot. She's a bigot. Stacey Abrams, March 2nd. President Zelensky said, I'm going to paraphrase him, probably poorly. He said, this isn't a war on Ukraine. This is a war on democracy in Ukraine. When we allow democracy to be overtaken by those who want to choose who can be heard, and those choices are not based on anything other than animus or inconvenience, then that is wrong. We say, talking to the Daily Show host, Trevor Noah, the Georgia gubernatorial candidate actually equated her progressive activism to Ukrainians fighting for their very survival, along with that of their nation. We wonder how she'd feel about Ukrainian democracy if she knew that the country requires ID to vote. Alexander Vindman, remember him? Remember that clown? He says it was Trump's support of Putin that suggested the Republican Party would rally to Putin's cause. It was Trump's insurrection and incitement of discord that suggested the U.S. was weak and distracted. Sounds a lot like Dizzy Cheney, doesn't it? Does to me. New York Post response. Impeachment star Alexander Vindman's 15 minutes of fame are up. But he's trying hard to extend that by making any and every issue about Donald Trump. And the final tweet of a thread blaming the former president for Putin's invasion. Vindman suggests Biden could have held off Putin if only Trump hadn't mentioned Russia in an interview. Trump did make one mistake, not firing this joker from the National Security Council sooner. Really sick. Well, here's what the Democrat-controlled Congress can do. Here's what Nancy Eva Stretch Pelosi can do. <laughs> here's what Schumer, who's davening endlessly about what we don't know, can do. How about an immediate, significant increase in our United States defense budget? So we're prepared for anything, and we're not right now. It not just sends a signal, but it is necessary. A new, huge infusion of money to the United States military. Not to people on the dole, not to illegal aliens, not to corrupt mayors and corrupt governors, not to a corrupt teachers' union, no, no, no. To the patriots in our military. That would help. How about stop with the indoctrination to create a bunch of self-hating troops? Stop with the racism, the critical race theory. Stop with the, with the espionage. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is of our own troops and their social sites. Like that's some big problem. In other words... Squeeze out the radical left agenda, the American Marxist agenda from our military. Show them the respect that they deserve. And massively increase military spending. Massively. Because when and if this is ever over, there's going to be communist China. 
This is no joke. There's going to be a nuclear arm. Listen to me. By the time this jerk in the White House leaves, by the time the jerk in the Speaker's seat leaves, by the time the jerk in the Senate majority seat leaves, by the time all these jerks leave, pray to God they will, Iran will be a nuclear power. China will have invaded Taiwan. And Russia will have annexed Ukraine with its eyes on, yes, NATO countries. That's correct. That's correct. It's unbelievable, but it is the fact. Now, who is Katrina Balash? Well, she's a woman who recounts what Russian troops did to their homes. Cut six, go. When you left, what was it like leaving? It was like giving your, pretty much giving your soul to God every second because we, our train stopped in the middle of Kiev and, and they were, you know, they were shooting and, and we heard bombs flying over and, and planes and I thought this particular moment I can die and I just prayed and I said uh, goodbye everyone and I understood that for four hours in a, in a completely dark train we can be dead ever any second so that was pretty much very very for me especially was very stressful I want people to know that we have been killed by the country that wanted to take over take Ukraine over and they wanted to kill our people for being patriotic I want people to know that this is true because I, I saw it personally and I do know a person who has been shot by Russians because he didn't give up with the flag because he, they came to his house he lived right by me they came to his house and they shoot him they're shooting up citizens of all kinds. There's a police officer who was murdered when the Russians broke into his house. Then they murdered his wife. Then they murdered his six-year-old child. Then they murdered his six-week-old child, Mr. Producer. Did you read that? They just slaughtered them. And there's a lot more than that. There's a lot more than that. There are very, very brave men out there from some of the surrounding countries, surrounding Ukraine, and from our country. Very brave men. We're going over to fight on the side of the Ukrainians. I cannot thank them enough. I cannot thank them enough. I asked here, hoping that some official would get back to us, but they have not. What can those of us do who have weapons that we would like to give to the Ukrainians to defend themselves? Where do we go? How do we accomplish this? Is it legal? How can we get this done? We haven't gotten any responses yet from our government. This is really appalling. And by the way, on Life, Liberty, and Levin, which will run this Sunday, I've received assurances. 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox, we're going to have the former commander of British forces in Afghanistan. And by the way, 
a combat veteran in many other theaters, retired Colonel Richard Kemp. We had him on before. He is a, a brilliant, brilliant man. He's the kind of colonel that should be all over Fox, all over cable and network and other platforms, people who want to hear from a serious man like this. We'll have James Carfanu, who not only is a senior expert and analyst at the Heritage Foundation, but he too is a combat veteran, a retired lieutenant colonel. Who will have many brilliant things to say. I have not conducted these interviews yet, but I shall. And I'm not cherry-picking the same three or four people to keep coming on and trash the United States. I'm appalled by this, this trashing of the United States. It's one thing to condemn Biden, who deserves it. Biden has made the world extremely dangerous by his incompetence and by the ideological buffoons he's surrounded himself with. There are evil people in the world, and they're now spreading their wings. Just as there are evil people here at home who have been celebrated, and the murder rate is through the roof, Crime is through the roof. Everywhere you look, the Biden agenda has lit fuses everywhere. And we have, we have to watch so many now theaters all over the world, the Middle East now, where the Iranians are getting everything they want from the Russians who are negotiating on our behalf. You can't write this stuff. You can't put this in a fiction. This is just unbelievable. Which is exactly why Biden will not lift the sanctions on the American oil industry. And exactly why Joe Biden won't put sanctions on the Russian oil industry. And as my wife first said, not a TV commentator, not a radio host. My wife had the best line of the State of the Union. And I went on Hannity and repeated it and said where I got it from. Hope I did. He says, buy American, except when it comes to American oil. He says, support unions, except when it comes to the American oil industry. There he puts them out of work. I've heard people regurgitate this, as is to be expected. The brain power is very, very limited in the media. It's very limited which is why they resort to plagiarism and corruption. Stupid people. This is Radio Free America, ladies and gentlemen. Radio Free America. On so many fronts we are fighting. In order to keep us free, to keep this nation free. This is where many of you first heard about the Tea Party. Many of you read Liberty and Tyranny. This is where many of you have heard about uh, critical race theory, what's being done to our children and to our nation. And you've read or listened to American Marxism. This is where many of you first heard about the Liberty Amendments that I wrote in Convention of States. We're doing everything we can constitutionally and civilly to push back against what's taking place inside our country 
to retain what was a conservative movement and to defend our Constitution. We are not populists. We're not nationalists. We are not embracers of American Marxism or American fascism. We're not right-wingers. We're not left-wingers. We embrace our founding. That's the political spectrum. We embrace our founding. We embrace the Declaration of Independence as the, the framers did and as, the, uh, and as uh, Abraham Lincoln did. It's rejected by the American Marxists. That's who we are. This Convention of States movement has been supported and advanced by a fantastic organization. And that organization is Convention of States, led by Mark Meckler. He will be on the program in the final hour of this Friday show to tell us where we stand on several more states. And in one case, you're going to be extremely happy. In one case, you're going to be extremely happy. And he will explain how it happened, and that's West Virginia. This afternoon, approximately 1 p.m., give or take, Eastern Time, the West Virginia legislature voted to join a convention of states. That's 18 states. You won't hear this on any other broadcast in the nation. No podcaster, no radio host, no cable TV show or host, unless they're listening now, nobody. This is the great movement that's been taking place, among others. You will soon hear commentators and guests try and jump in front of the parade and point to themselves. This is what they do. Whether it's the Tea Party movement, critical race theory, and all the rest. All they care about are ratings. All they care about is self-promotion, self-aggrandizement. I don't care. I really don't. Not about that. I act as I speak. I've been committed to this movement for years. And I want you to hear about it in hour three. I'll be right back. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. You know, part of what I need to do here tonight, on this Friday night, in the United States of America, which is not at war, is to try and use what God has given me right here to communicate as effectively as I know how. And so let me give it a try. These people in Ukraine were minding their own business. They were living their own lives. Families just like yours. Going to work or running a small business just like, just like you. Living modestly. Having small homes or apartments. 
raising their children, loving their children like nothing else on earth. Maybe they had a dog or dogs or cats, put aside a little savings for their future, some living on a pension, some just born or little kids who'd been in the playground, been in kindergarten, nursery school, elementary school, middle school. Living the lives of a free people. Living the lives of a free people. Their military was not build, built as an offensive military machine to take over other people or to take over another country. What they had was intended to defend themselves as they are constantly being threatened by a genocidal psychopath in Moscow. But they lived their lives. They just assumed it, it wouldn't happen. It's just not possible that this crazed, insane individual in Moscow would lead the Russian army into their country, destroy their cities, murder their people. It just was unfathomable. Then they figured, even if that were to happen, the world wouldn't watch and let it happen, would it? The world wouldn't watch and let it happen. After all, they had listened to Joe Biden, they had listened to the President of France, the Chancellor in Germany, and all the others, telling them about diplomacy. And that if Russia did invade, Russia would be treated with economic sanctions that no country could survive. One week later, the tanks are there, the armored personnel carriers, the jet fighters, the helicopters, the missiles, the cluster bombs, the vacuum bombs. Now the citizenry, the citizenry itself is being targeted. That family is being torn apart. If they're lucky, the women and the children are heading to the western part of the country to get away from the Russian advance. If they're not lucky, they're stuck. Many of them were engineers, janitors, electricians, truck drivers, taxi drivers, Lawyers, doctors, doesn't matter. All equal now. In the defense of their country, many of them have dug in. With rifles and pistols. Up against tanks and bazookas and hand grenades. 50 caliber machine guns. And so forth and so on. 
but they want to defend their country. They want back what was taken from them. They can't live with themselves. They can't live with themselves if they flee. Despite the reports of rape and torture, summary execution and murder, they dig in. Their president, Zelensky, is a leader that we've seen few times in history. Few times. He doesn't run. He doesn't cower. He's not bombastic. He's not provocative. He's a leader and a statesman. Despite all that's going on around him. And the enemy, the genocidal maniac who runs Russia, is doing everything he can to assassinate him. And yet so far he has failed. He's failed where in the past he has never failed. Having assassinated journalists, political opponents, businessmen, anybody who gets in his way. In the United States, there's a president by the name of Biden who will not put in place the crushing sanctions that he promised because he specifically excludes the most important sanction of them all, sanctioning Russian energy, which would cut off funds, billions of funds a day, to the Russian economy and more specifically to the Russian army. He places sanctions on his own country's energy output, making it difficult, if not impossible, to produce the amount of fuel that's needed for this country to function. He's taken an energy-independent country, which after half a century has finally become energy-independent, under the leadership of his predecessor, Donald Trump, And with the signing of a document, signature on one piece of paper, he's killed it. He refuses to take the steps that need to be taken to get the Ukrainians the equipment that they need. NATO? NATO, we need NATO, everybody said. But for Donald Trump, NATO would even be weaker than it is today. But NATO will not allow countries, not even NATO itself, but countries on their own to provide MiG-29s to the pilots in Ukraine who desperately want them to attack the enemy. We're told that that might escalate things. We're never told that the Russians might escalate things, even though they refer to nuclear war. And they make those threats knowing exactly what our media will do. So the free world effectively watches. Doesn't provide them with the weaponry they need. Refuses to put in place the sanctions that will really 
place Russia on thin ice the way Reagan destroyed the Soviet Union. It's not that hard to do unless you don't have a backbone. Here in our own country, we have individuals on the left and the right, Democrats and Republicans, so-called conservatives and non-conservatives, who are and have been sympathetic to the genocidal maniac who runs Russia. They never criticize him, or if they do, they do it very gently, they do it in passing. They do it as a sentence to a long paragraph explaining why everybody else is at fault. These are Putin propagandists. They never talk about Putin escalating his war efforts. They never fear Putin escalating his war efforts, unless it's in response to us trying to help a free people remain free. They are and sound preposterous, ridiculous, asinine. I speak of no one in particular. There's a, there's a whole bunch. I can't even figure out who they all are. But they're giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Not because they're exercising free speech and a different opinion. They're free to do that and nobody's stopping them. It's because they're giving aid and comfort to the enemy. At the same time, something so preposterous, so unimaginable is taking place. The President of the United States, who has helped create these horrific situations given his surrender in Afghanistan and the 9,000 Americans who remain behind enemy lines, all but forgotten. The same President who kowtowed to Putin and gave him everything he wanted prior to Putin invading Ukraine is now using this same insane genocidal maniac to negotiate on behalf of the United States with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran over nuclear weapons. The same country that is threatening us with nuclear weapons is negotiating with Iran over nuclear weapons on our behalf. And... Biden and his administration will not share the information with Congress. So the Kremlin knows more about our position than Mitch McConnell knows. And so another ally, Israel, is deeply concerned about what's taking place. This, this is grave for Israel. This involves their very existence. Iran with a nuclear missile. Can you imagine? And the individual in charge for the United States is a well-known appeaser and capitulator. He's the worst of the worst. He's a retrip. You don't hear that being discussed very much, do you? Not on talk radio, not on our favorite cable channel, not on any cable channel. Poor Putin. Poor Putin. Then we're told Putin will fall, you see. The Russian people won't put up with it. Oh, really? 
Is that how Stalin left office? The Russian people wouldn't put up with it? No, he died of natural causes. Is that how Mao died? No, he, he died of natural causes. Is that how Lenin died? No, he died of natural causes. Is that how Hitler died? No, he died of cyanide. Because the Allies were at his doorstep and he was a coward. These people in Ukraine deserve our support. I didn't say send troops into Ukraine. I didn't say have a no-fly zone. Two little things. Give them the weapons they need. And give us the oil we want. And sanction Russia's oil, not ours. Or these people who love freedom are going to continue to be slaughtered in a horrific bloodbath, continue to be tortured, continue to be raped. Having gone seven days, nine days ago from a peaceful country to hell on earth. And the devastation you see on these cities remind me of the black and white films we saw when the Nazi tanks moved into one country or another. Or subsequently, when Stalin's tanks moved into many of these same countries after World War II. We say never again. But there it is again, right in front of your eyes. Show you how perverse things have gotten. We're listening all day, and you're listening tonight, no doubt, to discussions about what Lindsey Graham said about Putin taking him out. That somebody in Russia needs to take out Putin. And so our media in this country have tried to make Lindsey Graham controversial in this respect for what he said. Rather than the fact that Putin has tried three times to actually take out the president of Ukraine using his buddy at the Wagner Group and his Chechen hitmen. So now Lindsey Graham is said to be controversial for what he said, and Putin gets another pass. Or we may comment on it, but we move on to the next day. I support what Lindsey Graham said. In fact, I basically said it before he did, didn't I, Mr. Producer? If he feels free, does Putin, to assassinate the president of Ukraine, then why is that a one-way street, ladies and gentlemen? Now, I understand why the administration can't endorse it, because technically I believe it's illegal. But let's not play games here. The Ukrainian people are being slaughtered. They're being tortured. They're being raped. They're being murdered in the streets. You're not seeing it. The reports are coming back. So they can hunt down Zelensky... But nobody dare speak the truth. Truth to power, as they say. Truth to power. And you see, the way it works is, if it does happen, that means we have escalated the fighting. We have escalated if, if Ukraine's able to defend itself. We have escalated if they get MiG-29s. We have escalated, you see. Not Putin. Not his army. 
We have. If we remove the Biden sanctions on our oil, we've escalated. If we put sanctions on Russia's oil, we've escalated. Meanwhile, this sellout in the Oval Office, whose family has become rich off foreign governments, this sellout on the, in the Oval Office is selling out the Gulf Arab states, the state of Israel to the Iranians, where the Russians are negotiating the nuclear deal with the Iranians on behalf of the United States. And nobody's talking about impeachment. They're talking about indicting Trump, not impeaching Biden. Hello, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager. I'm the uh, appropriately named Dennis Prager Show. Last night, a wonderful, special... Christian pastor Jack Hibbs and I were uh, at a at a great church in uh, in the San Fernando Valley outside of Los Angeles. So really, in, in well, it's a suburb of LA. It's still considered LA City. Anyway, eighteen hundred people were present. An event sponsored by my home station in Los Angeles, KRLA, and the Christian affiliate, KKLA. People who have contempt for the right wing, for conservatives, for evangelicals, which is basically every leftist, really should have been there. It would have been two hours that would have been very illuminating about the decency, the non-anger. If you've got 1,800 people equally left to the people equally right of last night, the amount of anger and vituperation would have been extraordinary. And there there was no such thing. Yeah, there was anger at uh, Putin. And beyond that, it was just a fascinating open evening of a Jew and a Christian in dialogue, Jews and Christians present. Uh, I'll let you know when that's available to be seen. I think I think it will be available to be seen. And I, you know, I give many lectures, and I very rarely say you know you should watch it. But this is this is a good example. Jack Hibbs, of course, kept his church open during the immoral, unscientific, irrational lockdowns. And I I was at his church during the height of the lockdown. It's now, there's no more lockdown in California, right? As of today, is that right? Today, uh, today, oh, the mask mandate is over today or Monday? Today in L.A. County. Today in L.A. County. Not L.A. City. Really? Not L.A. City? When is L.A. City? They haven't said yet. I was in the elevator coming up to the studio a few minutes ago, and, and uh, there was a woman who entered, and I just looked at her, and I said, you know what a joy it is to actually see faces? 
she was so in agreement. It was, it was a pleasant moment for me. The opening of last night was, uh, was an acknowledgement of what is happening in Ukraine. And I said something in my statement that I had first said on this show, and I feel it more each day. I don't remember in my lifetime the United States watching massive evil take place and not, not doing something about it. For vast numbers of Americans, that's okay. So I think in this regard, I'm somewhat of an outlier. I'm not calling, I want to make it clear, I'm not calling for American troops to enter. And I'll, I'll explain why in a moment, but I think I'm an outlier in even being embarrassed, a little ashamed as an American. The bully beater, America, has relinquished that job, has abandoned his duty. Yes, I, I did believe America should be the world's policeman. And, and uh, nobody on the left does, and very few on the right do. And I admit I am an outlier. If God or, or faith has made you the strongest nation on earth, and despicable nations eat up little nations, the strongest nation on the earth has a moral obligation. Nobody talks about that. They talk about America's self-interest. That's true for the right wing, and it's true for the left wing. Now, the left wing talks about any interference as being a manifestation of American imperialism. The right wing says that it's none of our business. But the right wing has always had, a, a, I thought, a moral component. And I said yesterday, and I said it at the church last night, that I feel like I am a bystander to the rape of a woman I have the power to stop the rapist, but uh, I'm not. It makes you feel a little dirty, and that's how I feel. Again, I'm not calling for American intervention because the monster who invaded, and I, I never thought he was a monster, I admit it, thought he was a bad dictator, which is bad enough, but a monster on this level, I don't think anybody did, actually. I don't remember massive predictions of an invasion of all of Ukraine. This monster has nuclear weapons. And for all I know, having put his forces on nuclear alert, it could all be a bluff that he wouldn't use nuclear weapons if America got involved. Except when you... You see, I didn't think Khrushchev was... Uh, was a monster. I thought he was very bad. He was a communist dictator. I thought that he would not threaten a nuclear war over Cuba. I was a child, and I thought this. And uh, I, I, was not, uh, I was not at all scared. I, I think it's overblown, or, or maybe I'm wrong. People get scared so easily 
This is the first time in my life that I think a nuclear conflagration is possible. So I understand why America is not sending in troops. Having said that, I repeat, I'm watching the rapist do his job and doing nothing. I know economic sanctions on rapists work maybe over the long run. But countries are taken over in the short run. That's why I never bought the notion, well, you know, uh, everything works out for the good. What does that even mean? Or, or the line from Joe Biden's speech, which many people on the right believe too. Uh, in, in, you know, in the long run, or I don't think he used the term long run, uh, freedom overcomes tyranny, something to that effect. Yeah, but, but if that doesn't help the people during the period of tyranny, and, you know, in the in the long run, Hitler was defeated. In the meantime, fifty million people died, six million Jews deliberately, including babies. So it's not exactly a powerful argument. Well, you know, freedom overcomes tyranny. Yeah, well, tyranny overcomes freedom. They're both true. You could say equally both. Tyranny overcomes freedom. We're watching. That's the fact. We could stop it and we're watching, and I understand why we're not stopping it. One of my dearest friends in life, Rabbi Joseph Telushkin, called me before the show. He had an interesting idea. I said, can I give, can I give it in your name? Because I never like to take credit for an idea. If, if a, a group of European leaders flew into Kiev, it's not Kiev, by the way. I don't know why people say Kiev. Anyway, flew into Kiev and surrounded Zelensky. You kill, you, you kill Zelensky, you kill the leaders of France, Germany, Belgium, Spain, whatever, as well. Interesting thought, isn't it? Utopian, but not, not, not completely undoable or irrational. People will need to do drastic things they stay for how long? A month? Two months? No, they stay. I don't know how long they stay. A week? I mean, so they... Right, yes. So let's say let's say even even a week. Let's say yes. A week and then after they leave. Oh, right. I understand. There's weakness to the argument. We have to do something dramatic. All right. i resume in a moment. I mentioned last night to the 1,800 people that Pastor Jack Hibbs and I spoke to in this Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile series, which is just, it's funny, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, this uh, this series. We should do it around the country. It's very, very helpful to people. Anyway, I mentioned how talk radio uh, is so important. I always do. We have talk radio. Conservatives in Canada, Australia, Germany, Britain, they don't have it. 
it's it's the single biggest difference. There are many, many differences. And I say this only because whenever you hear a commercial, you think, all right, let, let's move on. And I, I totally get that. But if it weren't for these commercials, there would be no talk radio. So if you are interested in a product, get the one that we're advertising because it's, it's massive support for this incredibly important source of information that you don't get and opinion and, and values you don't get from the mainstream media. So this is what, uh, this is what troubles me now. So I am. I'm actually, this is a, a unique time for me. In, in watching this massive evil take place and nothing happening. It's a concern. It should be a concern for everybody. Okay. Well, I've got a full board here. A lot of people have a lot to say and a lot to ask, and I don't, uh, I don't blame you. You should have a lot to say and a lot to ask. It's a very bad time what is happening. It's reminiscent of Hitler. Just conquer a country because you can. That's it. The reports from Russia are that the oligarchs' own children are disgusted by the invasion. They actually name the names. This is not, it's in, daily, in the Daily Mail. It's not the, right? Just Daily Mail. Daily Mail has actual pictures and names of oligarchs' grown children, 19 to, let's say, 30, and how they they are opposed to this. You know, I follow uh, classical music because I also conduct part-time. very involved in classical music my whole life. One of the greatest conductors alive today is Sergei Gergiev. Conducts uh, the greatest orchestras in the world, in the West especially. And he's been a massive supporter of Putin his whole career. And they've still hired him, and I understand that. But but now, if he can condemn this, it's an interesting question, because I'm so against cancel culture. Do you cancel Sergei Gergiev if you if you have a concert with him, with the New York Philharmonic or or Chicago Symphony? Do you? I mean, is there a level of support for evil that renders you unacceptable? The the danger of it is the slippery slope. Okay, so he didn't condemn this, but wait a minute. But what's his position on transgender? See, that's the problem. It, it, there's no there's no end when you start. Maybe the best thing would be if uh, nobody wanted to play, <laughs> and nobody wanted to show up if he were the conductor. Let there be an empty hall. It's an astonishing thing when you think about it. 
man who spent so much of his time in the free world is a supporter of a dictator. Well, look, I have a chapter in my in my commentary on the book of Exodus on false gods and the commandment not to have false gods, and I spoke about, and my whole life I've talked about art as a false god. Unfortunately, and it was very painful for me to realize this because of my love of music in particular, being a great artist doesn't make you a great man or a great woman. I do think that with with good people, great art is uplifting. But I'm not sure with bad people that great art is uplifting. I don't think it is. And he would be an example. This is about as as clear an example of black and white, good and evil, as you can get. And that's why it's so painful to me that we're not doing anything, even though I know we can't do what we, what we could do. I'd like to know, though, why they don't have any more, or, they're not, or why they don't have thousands of javelins, of anti-tank weapons. Why don't they have that? The Biden White House has been telling us for weeks before the invasion they're going to invade. Well, if they're going to invade, why, why didn't we arm them? or at least arm them more. Maybe we did. Maybe I just don't know it. Why are they not being used if they have them? They, what I read was that they begged for Harpoon, the name of the anti-ship uh, missile, with the, with the amphibious invasion about to take place, the most important uh, port city of the country, Odessa, on the Black Sea. The whole thing is, is so is so sick. I believe the reports that the soldiers they drafted into this weren't told they're invading Ukraine. They were told they're doing a military exercise. And uh, pain of death, they can't, they can't leave. Most of those captured have Asian names. They're not Russian. They're not ethnic Russians. They're... Uh, fodder for Putin. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. By the way, I want, I'd like to remind you, March is, and August are fundraising months for PragerU. Everything we do is free because people contribute. It was my listeners who made PragerU possible. It touches me to, uh, to the depths of my heart. You, you, started the fund the funding of PragerU in a in a, you know among large number of people this was the this was the group started watching it now we have a billion views a year 65% are under 35 years of age the largest conservative video site on earth and uh, we want to touch more and more people because we might lose America. So please contribute. PragerU.com, 833-PRAGERU. Thank you. I'd like you to hear a clip from Australia. 
As COVID cases increase, so do restrictions. WA's public hospitals now have strict new rules. One mother of five with a terminal illness told her children can't visit her in her final days. Terminally ill mother of five, Jo Gittos, is currently lying in a hospital bed with her family not allowed to visit. I told a month ago that three months was optimistic. That was a month ago, so the conditions deteriorated since then. Um, and fairly quickly, unfortunately. The 47-year-old was admitted into Bunbury Regional Hospital overnight as a new red alert phase came into effect at all public hospitals across the state. Under the changes, visitation is restricted to approved essential visitors or those with exemptions. Apparently they're going to arrange an exemption for me so that I can visit, but they won't allow the kids to see their mum and I won't allow my wife's mum to see her either. Darren says his family has done the right thing. They're all vaccinated, now left confused, frustrated and angry. Hopefully this is only for a month. It's designed to protect patients in hospital who are very, very vulnerable. That's what it's about. We may only have a month. We don't know. And we're not going to be the only people, as I said, in this situation. So I think it's, I think it's a little bit callous. Um, it, it was thought out. Under the current arrangements, a grandmother of 80 years of age cannot visit her husband who's having a heart attack, but she can go to a nightclub on the way home. <laughs> this is bordering on bureaucratic absurdity. Calls now for greater compassion within our own border. For us, every minute, every hour, every day is, is precious. Cindy Lavrenchik for 10 News First. The medical profession has so disgraced itself in the last two years in the Western world that uh, I only play this to confirm my suspicion. Just as art doesn't make you a better human being, neither does medicine. If you're an a-hole and you get your MD, you're an a-hole after your MD. And that's the way it works. These people are sick. Sick. It's it, This is... I, I use the word sparingly. It's evil. You have to die alone because, uh, you know, we got to protect people. The medical profession has disgraced itself. It's killed hundreds of thousands in the view of Harvey Risch, the epidemiologist at Yale, who said this on this program a year ago and wrote it in the Wall Street Journal because they wouldn't allow doctors for the first time. A doctor cannot prescribe a drug he thinks will help his patient. If it's ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, can't prescribe it. One of the safest drugs ever made, both on the list of the 100 most essential drug, drugs of the, of the World Health Organization. In Canada, remember I talked about in Canada, you had to. You sat. You couldn't visit your dying relative. They couldn't visit your dying relative in America. I'd have busted the door down. It's a good thing none of my relatives or closest friends were, were, were not dying. I would have busted the door down and been arrested. That's what they all should have done. That's my mother. I'm going to visit her. You scum. You medical scum. Got to be angry at these people, folks. The son says it's callous. Callous? It's evil. They're disgusting fools. Okay? Is that clear?
Die alone, baby. Die alone, lady. Got to protect patients, lady. Drop dead. Okay, was I clear on my uh, sentiments on that one? The book came out this week. Let me read to you just an excerpt from a review on Amazon. Of course, I, I don't know. I don't know any of these reviewers. So, it's an older person. Sixty years ago, I coined the line: "I don't believe in any god any human tells me about." And he uh, he then, but he ordered this book. I guess out of, out of respect for me. And he writes. It is the discussions and essays that got me. During the second reading, I experienced the bittersweet feeling that I had missed dot, 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 everything. But all is not lost. I now have the quest of getting the book to every 24-year-old I know. Yes, that's about the age of last chance. You've got to read it to believe it powerful. The rational Passover Haggadah is the the service of the oldest holiday in the world. I'm told a lot by older folks, why didn't I read this or hear this earlier in my life? That's true. I wish you had. You should get this book into every 24-year-old's hands. It's not long. It's clear. And it's uh, beautifully printed, The Rational Passover. I got a part of my series of The Rational Bible, but this is not biblical. Okay, let's see here. <clears throat> there was, uh, where was the North Korea challenge? Here we go. David in Los Angeles, hello. Yeah, hi, Dennis. So how, how would you explain... Or just for clarity's sake, how would you explain uh, us standing by and watching, you know, as you said, evil, you know, to the citizens of North Korea? It's painful, but it's it's not the same as an invasion of another country. Now you say, what's the difference? Still, it's people suffering. Look, I, I I'm not an absolutist in this regard. We can't stop all evil in the world. We would invade Syria. We would invade Zimbabwe. You know how many countries we would invade if, because of the horrible treatment of its own citizens. But uh, yeah, that's why that's why that's why I'm wondering if it's if it's due to your education and really really being you know involved in you know that part of the world that perhaps you're a bit more no on the contrary you know, to it. no no not at all on the, I I use the Korean War as the prime example of American goodness. And that's that's all Asian has nothing to do with Europeans. Our our protecting at least half the peninsula from communism is one of the most noble things ever done in human history. What if there was a world power that was witnessing what is now the U.S. you know occupy lands that you know had Native Americans on it? I mean, haven't haven't disputes over land? You know, this don't these things go back to you know biblical times? I mean, isn't it like right? A, and and, and that millennia? Mo- most wars have been over land, 
But we now have an established state system. People recognize countries that do exist. And the attempt to take over another country like this, other than Iraq in Kuwait, which we did intervene with, no Europeans involved, everybody supported George Bush the Elder going into into Kuwait. So this notion that uh, there's a racist element, which of course the left will, will always do. Oh, people care about Ukrainians because they're white. Did we care about Kuwaitis because they're white? Did we care about Koreans because they're white? Did we care about Vietnamese because they're white? It is the gigantic lie of the left because nothing America could do could be perceived as good. The left hates this country. The European left hates it, the Asian left hates it, and the American left hates it. Liberals don't hate it, they just vote for leftists who do hate it. Because weakness is at the core of liberal, of liberal life. But they don't hate America, the left does. The reason that we could, uh, we could uh, fight in, in Kuwait and people supported it was there was no threat of a nuclear war. If Russia did not have a nuclear weapons, I presume we would, in fact, help the Ukrainians. I'm glad you called, because the issue is, uh, is an important one. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor pain-free studio. 